It's Monday, January 6th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. 2020 is off to a rocky start for the U.S. and Iran. Last week, the U.S. killed a top Iranian general linked to attacks on hundreds of Americans. Now, Iran is threatening to retaliate. Then, it's day one for the Harvey Weinstein trial in New York, more than two years after an explosive report detailed allegations of decades of sexual assault. And finally, we'll survey the damage from Australia's deadly bushfires. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Wayfair Registry. It's the fastest-growing wedding registry for a reason. We love it. We think you will, too. The most complicated story of the day is about what's going on with Iran. This story has dominated the news so far in 2020. In fact, you probably read about it this morning in your daily skim. Last Friday, the U.S. killed the leader of an Iranian military group called the Quds Force in a drone strike in Iraq. His name was Qasem Soleimani, and Iranians have been taking his death pretty hard. Today, huge crowds of mourners gathered in Tehran for a third day of funeral processions. And now, officials in the U.S. are waiting to see if and how Iran retaliates. So today we're going to get into who Soleimani was, and how Iran and the U.S. are responding to his death. But we'll just say this is a huge story with so many moving parts, we can't possibly talk about everything. But we're going to try to give you the basics of what you need to know. So let's get into it, starting with a little background. Qasem Soleimani, the official who was killed, came of age around the Iranian Revolution in 1979. And he quickly worked his way up through the military to become Iran's top general. Since the late 90s, he led the Quds Force, That's a unit of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps that's in charge of foreign military operations like in Iraq and Syria. But the Quds and Soleimani have a complicated history. The U.S. says that in the early days of the Iraq War in the mid-2000s, the Quds helped the militias fighting against U.S. forces, killing hundreds of American troops. But then more recently, the Quds helped the U.S. fight against ISIS. The Trump administration has been pretty clear. It saw Soleimani as a killer. Last year, President Trump officially designated the Quds and its umbrella organization as a foreign terrorist organization. And after Soleimani was killed, the Pentagon said he had been planning to attack Americans in the Middle East. That kind of explanation is often used to justify attacking terrorists. Many Iranians saw Soleimani a bit differently. Iran's supreme leader called him a martyr of the revolution. And he even led a prayer at Soleimani's funeral. So, like we said, Iranians are still in mourning. And Iranian officials don't look like they're going to let this one go. Iran's president said the U.S. made a big mistake. And said that the U.S. will feel the consequences of that mistake for years to come. Members of Iran's parliament were more blunt yesterday, chanting death to America. One leader in parliament addressed Trump telling him that those chants were the voice of the Iranian nation and that Trump should listen up. Now we're starting to get an idea of what Iran's retaliation could actually look like. In an interview with CNN yesterday, the Supreme Leader's military advisor said that Iran plans to take direct action against U.S. military sites. You attack our military, we'll attack yours. And on top of that, Iran said yesterday that it's not going to comply with any part of the Iran nuclear deal anymore. That's the 2015 deal that set limits on Iran's ability to make nuclear weapons in exchange for ending economic sanctions. 
The U.S. pulled out of that deal back in 2018 and reimposed those sanctions. Over the last few months, Iran's been taking small steps away from the deal, too. But now it's making the split official and saying none of that deal applies to us anymore. So that's just a bit of how Iran's responding to Soleimani's death. In the U.S., officials are trying to get ready to deal with whatever Iran has up its sleeves. On Saturday, Trump tweeted a warning that if Iran takes revenge for Soleimani's killing, then the U.S. has already mapped out 52 Iranian sites that would be targeted in another retaliation. That's led to a bit of drama, since Trump said that some of those sites were important to Iranian culture. Some experts say that attacking cultural sites would violate an international treaty reached at the 1954 Hague Convention that protects cultural landmarks from military actions. So this type of U.S. response could be considered a war crime. Yesterday, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told ABC that all the possible targets Trump mentioned are fair game. I've seen what we are planning in terms of the target set. I'm sure the Department of Defense is continuing to develop options. The American people should know that every target that we strike will be a lawful target, and it will be a target designed at the singular mission of protecting and defending America. President Trump has been diligent about that. Over the weekend, we learned that there's already a plan to deploy about 3,500 more U.S. service members to the Middle East to respond to whatever Iran might do. But right before we recorded this episode, News outlets reported the U.S. might pull its troops out of Iraq. Since Soleimani was killed within Iraq's borders, there's been a lot of anger there about the U.S. presence. So a lot about the U.S. response here is still TBD. So what's the skim? A lot has happened between the U.S. and Iran over the last couple weeks, and it doesn't look like the boiling drama will be brought down to a simmer anytime soon. Iran is expected to strike back against the U.S., the U.S. is planning its own retaliation, and officials around the world worry that this tit-for-tat could escalate to an all-out war. And between Iran abandoning the nuclear deal and the U.S. deploying more troops to the region, anything could happen. Another big story today is starting to play out in a New York City courtroom. That's next. It's engagement season, and if you're thinking about where to register, we recommend Wayfair. They have everything from traditional kitchen items to furniture. Plus, they offer free shipping and returns for you and your guests. Yes, even for the big stuff. Right now, Wayfair Registry is offering Skim This listeners $50 in Wayfair rewards when you create a registry. Just use promo code SKIM50 at Wayfair.com SKIM50. That's Wayfair.com SKIM50. For so long... You thought you could terrorize me and others into silence. You were wrong. That's actress Rose McGowan speaking outside of a New York City courtroom earlier today. She was joined by other sexual assault survivors to mark the first day of the first criminal trial against disgraced movie producer Harvey Weinstein. He's now facing five charges of sexual assault after allegations of his misconduct first surfaced over two years ago. Depending on the outcome of this new trial, Weinstein could end up in jail for the rest of his life. But first, let's back up. You probably remember Weinstein as the big Oscar-winning movie producer who, back in 2017, was the subject of an explosive report in the New York Times. It detailed decades of sexual assault allegations against Weinstein from big-name actresses and other women who worked at his company. Think Ashley Judd and Rose McGowan. And after the initial report, Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie. The investigative reporters who broke the story, Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey, spoke to The Skim back in September. 
So that first Harvey Weinstein story only had two women on the record, but it had 25 years of allegations. Cantor and Tui's reporting led to a flood of more allegations against Weinstein. Today, over 80 women have stepped forward to publicly accuse him of sexual harassment, assault, and even rape. Weinstein allegedly told many of these women that, in return, he'd help boost their careers. After the initial report came out, Weinstein issued an apology, but was still fired from his own company. It was a swift fall from celebrity grace, but the road to his day in court has been a long one. One challenge involved figuring out what to charge Weinstein with and where to file those charges. The case starting today is playing out in the New York Supreme Court and deals with five criminal charges from two women. The identity of one of those women who accused Weinstein of rape in 2013 has not been released to the public. And this is just one trial in one jurisdiction. Authorities in Los Angeles and London have also opened up criminal investigations into similar allegations. And today, LA prosecutors indicted Weinstein on four counts of sexual assault. But some other accusations against Weinstein occurred outside of state statute of limitations laws, meaning those allegations from years back may never go to trial. Another challenge in the judicial process involves finding impartial juries. Jurors are supposed to base their decisions only on the evidence presented in the trial, which is tough given that the allegations against Weinstein made global headlines and were at the heart of the Me Too movement. Weinstein's legal team says they don't think an impartial jury can be found in New York City. They wanted the trial to be moved out of Manhattan, but that got rejected. Experts have also warned that potential jurors might hide their biases to use the high-profile case to further an agenda. So the lawyers and the judge definitely have their work cut out for them. Jury selection is expected to last two weeks, and once that's finished, we'll be set to start on what could be an eight-week-long trial. So we'll be hearing about this again. By now, you've probably seen footage of the wildfires devastating Australia. Here's what's going on. Australia has what are called bushfires on a pretty regular basis. But these latest fires started two months earlier than the usual fire season. And the country's intense drought and soaring temperatures are making them a lot worse. Back in September, some communities were already running out of water. And by Christmas, the intensity of the fire season was already breaking records. Australia is about the size of the continental U.S., and these fires are now occurring in basically every corner of the country, all at once. They've scorched more than 12 million acres. That's an area the size of Vermont and New Hampshire combined. More than 20 people have been killed by the fire so far, and by one estimate, half a billion animals from koalas to iguanas and kangaroos have died too. Many more could end up dying from habitat loss. And increasingly, global climate change is coming up as a possible factor that's making these fires worse. A government report from 2018 found that climate change is reducing Australia's annual rainfall in some regions and leading to more intense heat, both factors that increase fire risk. But Australia's prime minister isn't quite on board. He's downplayed the possible role of climate change. His deputy prime minister also called people who tied his government support for the coal industry with the fires, quote, woke capital city greenies and raving inner city lunatics. So despite the severity of the fires and the outpouring of global concern about them, the blame game over what might have caused them is still heating up. And it's caught the attention of celebrities too, 
Like at last night's Golden Globe Awards on NBC, when Jennifer Aniston announced an acting award for Aussie Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe could not be here with us tonight because he is at home in Australia protecting his family from the devastating bushfires. He sent along this message in case he won. Make no mistake, the tragedy unfolding in Australia is climate change based. For more on the effects of climate change, head on over to theskim.com slash guides. And to learn more about what you can do to support the fire relief effort in Australia, we've put a link in our show notes. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 